Lord, we're back again. Reaction Brats. I'm David. I'm Robin. How are you doing tonight? I'm well, thank you. It's a little bit late for us in the Reaction Brat studio. 9 p.m. But uh, it's still light out. Amazingly, yes. And uh, I figured, why not? Why not do it this late? Well, if we're feeling it, we're feeling it. I mean, yeah. normally at this time, we're feeling teeth brushing and getting in our jammies. At two minutes to nine on a weeknight? Yeah. We don't go to bed that early. Where do you live? 9.30. 9.30. By 9.30, we're getting in bed. Mm. Like just after nine, I'm washing my face and brushing my teeth and saying, well, okay, maybe you're right. By 9.30, I'm telling the kids I'm you're going to bed. Living a dream world. But uh, You live in a dream world. I do. Every day with you is like a dream, baby. <laughs> this is our follow-up episode to our last one that was about Joy Division and Morrissey, two big names in our lives. Mm-hmm. How do you think that one turned out, Robin? I loved that episode. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was good. What do you think? I think it turned out well. Yeah, I'm mostly happy with that. Mostly happy? I think mm-hmm. that's a good review from you. Yeah, I was a little self-conscious that I wasn't going to do uh, Joy Division justice, mm-hmm. but I think I did. I think you did too. A lot of editing Yeah. that episode, but I think I pulled it together. I think you did too. You did a great job. Thank you very much. Uh, what I liked about that episode for the Morrissey bit in particular is that You know, with Morrissey, I think a lot of people who aren't into Morrissey, they think that we just blindly love everything he does. And I I liked that I talked about how he can get in his own way and he can be drippy. Yeah, he's a bit of a drip. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I like that. I know that about him. Yeah. I'm fully, fully aware. Yeah. I think most true Morrissey fans are. Actually, you know what? That's not true. There's probably a lot of people who take everything he does hook, line, and sinker. No way. We all all know. There's got to be, of course, someone who doesn't. Well, there's extreme people everywhere. Yeah, but like that's what I'm saying. For the most part, like the anyway. middle aged middle aged people that fought over his shirt and were injured. Yeah, that's true. You got a yeah, point. Exactly. You, gotta, you make a good point there. I always do. I feel like before we get into it, we should talk a little bit about uh, how life's going. Okay. We're still deep in COVID. Yeah. We're in our third lockdown. Uh, I feel like it's just been one really long one, but yeah, yeah. It's true. There is light at the end of the tunnel, as they say. Robin and I have both had our first dose. Of the AstraZeneca. Uh-huh. It made Robin very sick. It made you quite unwell as well. Yeah. I think it hit you a little harder. Mm-hmm. I had a headache. I felt foggy. I had some intense, massive sinus pressure for a day or so. Yeah. It knocked me on my butt a little bit. You, it hit you though. I had like a serious flu. I had fever and the cold sweats and headache and I was under a blanket for mm-hmm. a good day or two. Yeah. I'm happy that we we got one. Yeah, me too. Weird that we had to like drive to another city and wait in line and... Well, it's weird that we had to hunt it down like it was... Mad Max? Well, yeah. It was like the Mad Max (laughs) vaccine rollout. Yeah. But uh, this was uh, two or three weeks ago, so Mm -hmm. things seem to be... Yeah, things are rolling now, I think. A little smoother, yeah. So many of our family members have finally gotten their first dose and friends of ours... Yeah, friends are getting their first dose. So that's a good thing. And hopefully we're going to go see Mr. Morrissey in Vegas in September, which is on the horizon. We don't know if it's happening yet. Uh, is it happening? I'm, I'm pretty sure it's happening. Like they are heavily advertising that show. Okay. So I'm pretty sure it's happening. I think Nevada is open for business. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said in the last podcast, I think it depends on a couple things. I think it depends on if, I mean, the world knows Ontario is a shit show. So I think it depends on if they're going to let people in from Ontario. And two, I think if we are allowed in and we can go, I think it depends on when we come back with that look 
looks like if we have to isolate and if we could make that work. Yeah, because I'll be back at work. So yeah. that will be, uh, we couldn't do that. I could work from home, but you couldn't. So, well, folks, do you think we're going to Vegas? Let us know at Reaction Brats Pod. Send us a message. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Should we uh, get into the records we're going to talk about today? Yeah, this first one is... Um, now, this is ridiculous that we're doing this. I think it's kind of fun. All right. Uh, I feel a little bit bad. I don't know how to say this without coming across as a total a-hole of a girlfriend, but I would like to start off this record by saying that I'm I'm a good girlfriend. You have many creative endeavors, and I like them all, mm-hmm. and I'm into them all, and I support them all. This is just maybe the last one that I dove into. Oh, you're saying you feel bad because it's the last one that you actually... I'm taking on. ...checked out. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, don't feel bad. I, the thought never crossed my mind. No, but maybe to the listener, they'd be like, I mean, we've been together for two years, yeah, and I'm they, only just now listening to... But they wouldn't have known that unless you told them. Okay. Well, we just got together like yesterday. <laughs> the first record we're going to talk about today is Chore, a Chore record, The Coastaline Fire. Mm-hmm. Now, who's Chore? Chore's your band. Chore was my band. Chore was your band. Okay. So... There has been um, a resurgence, if you will, of chore and chore chatter. And chore so chatter. Chore I thought chatter. that now was maybe a good time that I should listen to this record, you mm-hmm. know, or listen to old chore. And I would like to say I love Don Vale. I love Not Of. Both of those are my projects that I'm in currently. Yeah. Yes. I'm wearing a Not Of t-shirt right now. You definitely are. I love this shirt. Love the band. It's a great shirt. Listen to Don Vale all the time. I just hadn't gotten to chore yet. So here I am. Here we are. We're going to do Chore, The Coastline Fire, the last record that my former band Chore put out in 2002 and was so kindly reissued by Mr. Tim Lidster and his uh, label Obscura in 2016. 2016? Are you asking me? Yeah, I can't remember. What's it say? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Reissued by Label Obscura. Beautiful gatefold packaging, double vinyl, colored vinyl. Some of them we have, we have the colored, do we have the, yeah, we do have the colored vinyl version. So we're going to talk about that today, which should be super duper fun for me. Is this, Um, um, when you guys did the reunion shows, was that when this came out? No. We broke up in 2004. We did a batch of reunion shows in 2010. Oh, okay. And then this came out in 2016. And then Tim and the label that put it out we're hoping that we would maybe play some shows to support it but we did not uh more about that later and the second record we're going to do is uh something very very special it's audit in progress by hot snakes oh this is a real humdinger of a record it sure is oh my stars i love mm-hmm. it so much it's a great one so i can't wait to talk about that but first i do believe we are going to talk about chore the coastal line fire let's do it I feel like it's kind of ridiculous to do what I'm about to do because I was in the band and I should know the history, but Robin, what time is it? It's Wikipedia time. When you just want the facts, oh! it's Wikipedia time. It's a very small Wikipedia entry, so I think we're just going to go ahead and read the whole thing. Take it away, Robin. Chore, we're a Canadian post-hardcore band from Dunville, Ontario. Formed in January 1995, they released three albums on the Sonic Onion indie label in Hamilton, Ontario. Another... What is that word? (laughs) Another plebeian came out in 1997 and Take My Mask and Breathe in 1999. They also contributed an exclusive recording. Why are you laughing? (laughs) Plebeian is a funny word. It is a funny word, I guess. (laughs) What does it mean? It's like... uh... I'm going to sound like an idiot now. Like the working class, like the proletariat. Let's just double check that and then I'll 
won't sound so stupid. A commoner. Yeah, I'm pretty close with that definition. Yeah, in ancient Rome, it was a commoner of or belonging to the commoners of ancient Rome. But it, I don't think it just pertained to Rome as the years went on. Anyway. Hmm. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I don't know where I was anymore. They also contributed an exclusive recording to Red Star Records' 1999 various artist compilation, The Sound and the Fury. Chora was approached by Revelation Records and took part in North by Northeast in 2000. That's cool. But decided... Is not cool. I mean, we played many North by Northeast. I don't know why I'm this like, is. Excuse I don't me. know why it's this was just this one mention. But yeah, we did play in 2000. Well, that's very highfalutin. About eight other times as well. But decided to remain with Sonic Onion in 2000. <laughs> <laughs> What's so funny? I'll talk about the, Yeah, keep going. Is this a real life fact check? Are you? I don't know why you're embarrassed. In 2001, they played in Toronto at Lee's Palace with other <laughs> Sonic Onion bands. Who wrote Who this? Who put this in there? <laughs> Who's responsible for this? Uh, Oh my, uh, continue. The Coastal Line Fire was released in 2002 to positive reviews and was also sold in Japan beginning in 2003. Their video for the single General Warning won a Best of the Wedge 1999 award from broadcaster Much Music, while the video for The Hitchhiker saw airplay on Much Loud and MTV's 120 Minutes. The songs The Hitchhiker and Burr were both featured in an episode from the first season of Fox's 24. And we just learned you were also in Party of Five. Yeah, well- Get to the bottom of that as well. Mm-hmm. Chore disbanded in April 2004. Lead vocalist Chris Bell continued to produce music under the moniker Alive and Living until recently joining Mitch Bowden and Dave Dunham to perform in Don Vale. What? Chris Bell was in Don Vale? Yeah, he played bass on the record and was in the band for a bit before he uh, had to go on tour with Winter Sleep. Let me get rid of the cat. Cool. I should really check this page mm-hmm. for my facts yeah. more often. Get to really learn about you guys. Um... And the Priddle Concern, along with Bill Priddle, formerly of Trouble Charger. The band reunited in December 2010 for a string of shows, including opening slots for Billy Talent, Alexis on Fire, and Winter Sleep. Yeah, I just, we have to go back. Chor was approached by Revelation Records and took part in North by Northeast in 2000, but decided to remain with Sonic Onion. I, who wrote this? I exchanged some emails for with somebody from Revelation Records. There was mild interest in the band, but I just think it was like an exploratory sort of email. Yeah, we weren't (laughs) approached by Revelation Records. We decided to remain with Sonic Onion. Well, there weren't any other offers. I'd like to clear that up as well. And then in 2001, they played in Toronto at Lee's Palace with other (laughs) Sonic Onion bands. That's hilarious. That is... That's a uh, really, mean, it's really a big deal. Yeah, it's such a big deal that we played at Lee's Palace with other Sonic Onion bands in 2001. I, I don't know who decided to add those entries to the Wikipedia page, but I think I'm going to go ahead now and remove them. So that's the chore history. And the record we're doing today is Coastline Fire. There's no Wikipedia entry for it. So uh, I'm going to do one myself. When you just want the fact, oh, it's knowledge from Dave's own brain. Coastline Fire by Chore was released in winter of 2002 on Sonic Onion Records in Hamilton, Ontario. There was many people in southern Ontario who liked it, and maybe a few people in Halifax. Um, the record sold upwards of 75 to 80 copies. <laughs> I shouldn't, you should take over. This is why I... I, I can't. No, that was perfect. You, no, you could... What, what, what you would make up is more exciting than the reality, so... I don't know it oh, okay. until... Today was the first time I listened to it. So yeah, Coastline Fire was a record that we recorded in uh, fall of 2001 with Mr. Alex Newport, which for us was was quite a big deal. He was in a band called Fudge Tunnel and had recorded many records. At that time, he was working a lot with the Mars Volta because he had done a lot of work with At the Drive-In 
And uh, yeah, he emailed us maybe a year and a half before we recorded. He sent an email to the chore general email and just said, hi, I'm Alex and I heard your band and just want you to know that if you're ever looking for someone to record you, I'm available. Uh, cool. Yeah, which was a really, really, really cool. Recorded and mixed that whole album in eight days, which was probably, I'd say, 21 days less than what we really needed to have to make it a record that we'd be satisfied with. But considering the, the amount of time we spent recording, Alex Newport, you know, he knocked it out of the park. It sounds great did a bunch of touring tried to get into the states a bit didn't go very well toured canada i don't know two or three times for that record and that was always a struggle touring canada we didn't really have a fan base um like i said we did well around home hamilton obviously st Catharines. we were really big in simcoe ontario nice <laughs> and then we uh we did well out east we had quite a bit of support in halifax and the surrounding area but other than that it was pretty uh sparsely populated at shows for the mm -hmm. old chore on tour and yeah, by this fall of 2004, we kind of had enough and we packed it in. But all, you know, stayed friends. Yeah. And, and no one stopped playing music. I've obviously been in 7 million projects since then. But mm -hmm. uh, this is the one that people talk about the most. I had heard of Chore when I, mostly when I moved back to Hamilton in 2004, was when I had heard of your band and getting to know the music scene here just through friends that I had here. I definitely heard of Chore and then getting to know you and getting to know your friends and getting to know the people who know your bands. Like people are mad for Chore in this city. Yeah, around here, definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's still a support of very, very tiny cult following, cool. but they're quite devoted and that's fantastic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love that. As I get older, the bad vibes and the bad memories of those years have faded and i just kind of remember you know being in chore was always fun as far as the four of us the four friends we always had a great time together but then when we had to get into a van and drive 16 hours to play to nobody sure you know just hours and hours of driving in a van everybody smoking cigarettes no one talking knowing that we were going to pull into saskatoon and play to nobody like that really grinded us down of course it did. um but that stuff fades throughout the years i kind of forget about that and you know i think about the hamilton shows i think about the st Catharines shows i think about the halifax shows and those were always fun because people really really liked the band so that's good i, I have good memories as far as that goes coastline fire is a difficult one because um we didn't have enough time to record it i think all four of us when we were finished, we we're kind of like, I wish we could have had another week. I wish we could have had another two weeks. How come you only had eight days? We just didn't have the money. Right. Like, we didn't have any money. We didn't sell records. We didn't sell a ton of merch. We didn't play a lot of, you know, well attended shows. So there wasn't a giant bank of money to record. So mm -hmm. we got uh, our money from Sonic Onion and the tiny little amount that we'd have saved up ourselves. And that's all we could afford to do was eight days to record and mix at a real quote unquote real studio. And right. Chemical Sound in Toronto was great. It was a real studio. And we got some great sounds out of it. And for the most part, the record sounds great. We had to mix the entire thing in like a 48 hour marathon mixing session. And when I say we, I mean Alex, mm -hmm. while we sat on the couch and watched them and tried to give notes. Right. So towards the end of that 48 hours, there's two or three songs on the record where we all can hear the mix is starting to suffer just because, you know, Alex is only human. His ears gave out and he was tired, you know, so, but that's just the way it is, you know? Yep. Indie rock band, heavy emphasis on the indie. And uh, we just didn't have the means to sort of make the record we wanted to make. Like we all, you know, we liked big, majestic sounding bands and recordings. We were never, um, we were never a band who were going to want to record ourselves on a four track. Right. You know, and I love those bands. Obviously, you got to sure. buy voices, et cetera, are, are favorites of mine. But that was not chore. That was not the sound that chore needed. And, you know, we just didn't have the budget to do what we wanted to do. So mm -hmm. want to get into it? Yeah. Well, you're going to lead the way because I have not listened to this record in preparation for this podcast. I probably haven't listened to this 
this record, I don't know, the last time I listened to it, over 10 years ago, for sure. Okay, well, I listened to it a few times today. I listened to it over and over again in headphones while I was working. I made some notes. So what I did is I separated the songs into two groups. Okay. One title is I Dig It, and the other heading was Awkward Vocal Melody Tracks Heavy Bass Kind of Sound Songs. Okay. Like the very <laughs> of the times sounding songs, mm-hmm. and the sound that I was never really into, yeah. but it was like that sound of the times, you know? Sounds like eyebrow rings to me. Oh, no. <laughs> we can edit that out if we need to edit that uh, well, out, but that's no. what that, it sounds like eyebrow rings. Like, um, I need an example of a band, though. Uh, I don't know any of them because I never listened to any of them. But eyebrow rings. Yeah, like all the, if they were guys in video, it was always men, it was always guys, dudes that mm-hmm. would be in these bands and they would have eyebrow rings. Okay. <laughs> did you guys have eyebrow rings? Uh, I think Mitch sported one for a very short amount of time, yeah. yeah but no one else did. Th- it has that sound. But I always wrote songs with the eyebrow ring in mind. You did, right? I knew it. No, I didn't. I knew it. Uh, okay, fair they enough. They were good. They're good Mm, songs. They're all good songs. Just not my thing. No, that's okay. But the songs that I dig are totally my thing. Right on. Mm -hmm. Should we start going through? (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to go song by song? And I I want you. You have to lead the way here because, as I said, I I, obviously I'm in the band. I you. This is your. You're steering the ship here, baby. Okay. Well, the coast I didn't put neither. The instrumental beginning because it's. You know, written by Mr. Mitch Bowden, a nice, yeah, I eerie love it. little intro for the record. If I had to put it on one or the other, I would put it in I Dig It. Yeah. Yeah. The Hitchhiker? Yeah. Uh, that goes in awkward vocal melody tracks, heavy bass sound, very of the time, wow. sound good, just was never my thing, sounds like eyebrow rings. <laughs> is that the name of that song? Is that the title of the column? Yes. Okay. Give it to me again. <laughs> the- She's putting these songs into this column. What's the name of the column? Awkward vocal melody tracks, heavy bass sound, very of the time, sounds good, just was never my thing, sounds like eyebrow rings. Okay. And we're, we're going to firmly put the hitchhiker in that one. Yeah. Cool. I would, yeah. Red light, shine. Um, the Hitchhiker is actually the biggest chore song. If if there is Ever? such a thing as wow. a yeah, you know, it's the it's our most like well that's known the one song. everyone loves. Yeah, and a song called General Warning off the record hmm. before this one. But the Hitchhiker was like the video from this record. This is the song that got played on MTV 120 minutes in the states. Yeah, was all over Much Loud. Was in 24. Like this is the song. What percentage of your fan base was guys versus girls? Uh, I would say about 97 to three. Chore was a young man's band yeah. for sure. Still mm-hmm. is. Well, mm-hmm. I'm middle-aged man's band now. Um, hold on, the screen <laughs> Middle-aged bands. Man's, man's band. band. I love it. But uh, The Hitchhiker is, uh, that's Mitch singing. Yep. Based on actually a riff that I wrote. Mm-hmm. The main verse riff is mine. It actually had, let me get rid of the cat off the table again. It's about 30 pounds. Oh. <laughs> 20. He's 20 pounds. Yeah, well, feels like 30. Anyway, a riff that I had written, Mitch sort of took one part of it and uh, kind of wrote a song around it. And um, The Hitchhiker, unfortunately, the first single slash video from the record is maybe one of the last songs that got mixed in the marathon oh, really? mixing session. Yeah. So when I hear The Hitchhiker, I can hear the sort of diminished drum sound. We should have maybe mixed it first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, see, my ear doesn't hear that. Yeah. My I don't ear think doesn't pick that up. Nobody would, but the guys in the band. Yeah. But, um, well, and if especially 
especially if that's the fan favorite, then... Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one seems to mind. Yeah. Um, the Wall Burns. Is there, can we just call it the A-V-M-T-H-B-S-V-O-T-T-S-G-J-W-N-M-T-S-L-E-R column? I guess that doesn't really that shorten things take, up, does it? That <laughs> it took longer. took longer than just saying the word, yeah. <laughs> we get where you're going. Yeah, that goes in column B. Okay. Uh, the Wall Burns is a Chris Bell composition. It was a different feel for us. It has that kind of, I don't want to say funky, but it kind of has a rolling rhythm. I don't think we really had many songs like that. It was kind of on me to play in a style that I wasn't used to playing. I, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a sort of a, a rolling groove for the drums, which at the time I was not fantastic at playing. I think I pulled it off. This is one of the first songs that got mixed and it sounds great. I think the drums sound great. The guitars, the vocals, the bass, everything sounds very full and big. And when, yeah, like when Alex started kicking out these mixes in the first, like whatever it was, 13 hours of the mixing session, we were all like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. this sounds going to be good. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like the wall burns. I always liked that one. It was fun to play live. I don't think it stuck in the set very long. I don't think we were playing that toward the end, but hmm. yeah, the wall burns. Burr. Burr. I loved it. Oh, that's in the love section. That's in the dig it section. It goes in the dig it column. Yeah, another fan favorite, I do believe. Uh, Burr is a Chris composition with my vocals Mm -hmm. and lyrics. Anytime in shore, anything that kind of had a more aggressive, uh, heavy feel, a more aggro feel just automatically fell into my lap to do vocals on, which is great because I'm just a shouter. I'm a screamer. So obviously I'm not going to, I'm not going to scream over something super melodic. So, and I'm super proud of Burr. Actually, uh, Burr is about chore. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's about being in chore. So hmm. you can read the super cryptic lyrics and still not understand <laughs> why it's about chore, but it is. It's about being in our band or a being in our band at the time. I like your vocals. Thank you. I can see why that would be a fan favorite because it's really good. And who doesn't love a drummer who also does vocals? Again, Burr was also mixed early in the game and also sounds fantastic. Yeah, it sounds good. What's up next? Electrojet. Take a Can you guess what column that goes in? I think that goes in the I dig it. It goes in B. Really? Yeah, it's a big B. A big a B? A big old B. Why is it a big old B? I don't love it. No? No, it goes in B. Uh, Electrojet is a Chris composition. Even when someone wrote a song in Chore, once we started jamming on it, we always made changes. But uh, this is initially a Chris composition that he gave to Mitch Bowden to sing on. And I'm still impressed by Electrojet. I, I really like it. Again, one of the earlier songs that got mixed... Uh, early in the game and sounds great. I don't think my vocal in retrospect fits on there. I should have just maybe not done that. I don't know why I felt the need to do my little shout part in the middle. Although I am very fond of the lyrics I wrote for that part. But looking back, I should have probably just kept my mouth shut and not screamed on it. But Electrojet, cool song. I still like it. What's up next? By God. Capital. 
my god goes and dig it you dig that one i dig it nice. yeah it's got some good metal riffs in there it does i like it by god i think was initially chris riffs really cool song i dig it again a different feel for us i remember when we started jamming that in practice it was uh it was a bone of contention that little sort of gallop drum beat i'm doing in the second verse i think i was kind of doing it throughout the whole song and we thought that maybe i remember someone <laughs> I think it might have been Mike making a comment that it kind of sounded like bare naked ladies. Actually, that might have been a Mitch <laughs> comment as well. I can't remember who said it. So I compromised and only did the sort of uh, skippity kick drum pattern on, I think, just the second verse. But anyways, yeah, that's a little tidbit about that song. What's next? Dog in the Manger. How do you feel about that one? I put it in dig it. Yep. I think I had to think about this one mm-hmm. a lot. Why? I couldn't decide. It was a last minute put into the dig it column. I was going back and forth. Why? What was the issue? It was a little slow. It was a little... um. Jeepers! That was your head, <laughs> Titus. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the cat's head Aww. hitting the table trying to jump Buddy, up. Buddy, come here. Are you all right? Meow, 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 I think you saw stars. He's all right. Are you all right there, buddy? You all right? This is Titus, ladies and gentlemen. How's your little noggin? Say hi, Titus. Hello. <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, Dog in the Manger is a Mitch Bowden composition. Again, a different feel for Chore. I remember when we listened to his demo of it in the car outside the Sonic Hunting rehearsal space. And uh, I remember Chris and I got quite excited. Yeah? Yeah, we were, we were down to try something like that. And... Uh, I think it's a song that could have used some more time in the studio, personally. I think it could have used a bigger sort of production. I think we could have really layered the guitars. And um, Dog in the Major is one of those songs that could have used, you know, sure some real focus and some hours, you mm-hmm. know, but we didn't have it. Yeah, it ended up in the Dig It section. Good. Yep. Yeah, we tried to make a video for that one, but it fell through. I can't remember why, but we had a whole concept and everything. And I don't know. We probably just realized we don't have any money. We can't make a video. <laughs> <laughs> What's next? American Machinist. Dig it. This is a great one. You like that one? Yep. Uh, American Machinist is actually a couple of my riffs. It was less so for this record, but definitely for the first two, everyone wrote riffs. Mm -hmm. It was like riff potluck. Like everyone would just bring parts and we'd throw them all together and just sort of construct these monstrosities out of all these riffs that different people had written. And then we would decide which of the two or three guys was going to do the vocals. So uh, American Machinist were riffs of mine that we started jamming. And then I know that the sort of chorus riff, Mike, took a riff that I had written and basically made it way better. And then that song was written. And uh, again, my lyrics, I'm, you know, I'm very proud of the lyrics on that song as well. It's about America. Mm-hmm. And I won't tell you any more than that. You have to go buy the record. I already have it. Oh, mm-hmm. wonderful. What's next? Aloha. It gets a 
a B column for me. Wow. You are throwing a lot of the favorite chore songs in the B. Aloha is another, I believe, fan favorite. I feel, I felt it. I could mm-hmm. feel that. I could feel that it was. Yeah. It's just not for me. That And that's fine. Uh, Aloha is a Chris song that uh, unfortunately was mixed later in the marathon mixing session. So for me, I hear it and I think, eh, this is one of the songs that got mixed late. Uh, so it suffers a bit sonically, but I love the song. And if you watch the video for Aloha, that is my third year Mohawk television broadcasting assignment. My main uh, year cool. assignment. I made a music video for Chore. And got an A, of course. Of course he did. Then it got sent to much music and actually got played on the air. And looking back at it now, there's like a lot of, uh, and this is, this is, um, Mitch said this soon after the video was done. There's a lot of us just standing around because I didn't know what else to do. I didn't have any other ideas. And the video is very, uh, there's some very lightning crashes moments. <laughs> if you want to go to YouTube and check out the video for lightning crashes and then go ahead and watch the video for Aloha, <laughs> just know it wasn't intentional. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to um, do that. Yeah, you should. I think everyone should. And then forget that you did it. What's up next? Be coma. call them dig it nice. yeah i think it's great yeah more metal riffs yeah it's uh it's got a dissonance to it on our second record take my mask and breathe there is a song at the end called a coma and there's a little acoustic motif at the end that's just chris singing with an acoustic guitar and this is the fleshed out version of that we hmm. took we took that and decided to make a song a full band song out of it and then we had the brilliant idea to call it b coma so why, smart guys why not yeah uh, again, I do believe this is one that was mixed towards the end. So I, I'm, again, I'm kind of hearing the sonic um, deficiencies, but fun song to play. I always like playing B Coma and uh, I always, yeah, I still like it. Good. Virginia Creeper. Virginia Creeper. Which column? Column B. That's the, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Uh, it just, again, is an awkward vocal melody track, heavy bass sound, very at the time. <laughs> Sounds good, just was never really my thing. Sounds like eyebrow rings. <laughs> uh, that's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Virginia Creeper. I think this is Chris Riffs. I think this is Chris Riffs. And then the big, long outro riff is a riff that I think we wrote based on the bass line that Michael is playing for the rest of the song. I think that's how that one went. And the violin is our great friend, uh, Brad Faulkner. He came in for an afternoon into the studio and, and, and played violin on it. Brad played violin on the song, The Homesteaders from our second record. So we decided to have him back and uh, he did a fantastic job. Virginia Creeper. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way you do. It never really became one of my favorites that we did but it's okay yeah 
but it never uh, it wasn't my favorite to play. It was kind of boring to play on the drums, and that's my own fault. Like I maybe should have been, I maybe should have written some more interesting parts. But uh, yeah, that one always kind of fell by the wayside for me. And I don't know if we, I think we stopped playing it pretty soon after the record came out, and I was happy. Yeah, that's the end of the original track listing. But uh, on this vinyl reissue, once again, thank you, Tim Lidster at Label Obscura. There are bonus tracks. What's the first bonus track there called? Well, full disclosure, um, I had a lot of work to do today, so I was listening on headphones, which means I was listening on Apple Music, ah. which means this was a big surprise to me when I saw that there were five more songs on the vinyl. <laughs> I didn't listen to them. <laughs> and that's the end of Chore. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, we can listen to them when we're done here. But that's Coastline Fire, so what do you think of that record as a whole, having never heard it? Uh, I'm sorry that it took me two years to listen to it. Uh, and I like it. I dig it. it the whole thing, the thing as a whole gets a, it goes into the I dig it column. Do you have more songs in the dig it column or the eyebrow ring? Um, well, I don't like it column. If we're going to put the, hey, it's not an I don't I like know. it column. I'm kidding. If we're putting the coast into the I dig it column, there's one, two, three, four, five, six. Mm-hmm. And I dig it. And one, two, three, four, five in column B. Okay. Uh, I guess now is a good time to mention uh, Chore recently reunited for a recording. We recorded one new original song and a cover of a band called Shallow North Dakota, who are great friends of ours, huge influence on our band. Their drummer, Tony Jacome, uh, was a screaming drummer. He was their lead vocalist. And, and, and Tony is the reason that I started being a screaming drummer. It was all because of him. He was my hero uh, in high school. <laughs> Uh, going to see Shallow Live was intense. Still, some of the best, most intense shows I've ever seen were Shallow North Dakota shows when I was a kid. I used to get so pumped. Like, I just would just get so, like, I remember just, like, kicking the floor and punching walls when they played because I would just get so Good worked Lord. up. Yes. Yeah. Angsty, angry young Dave would just get so full of vim and vigor. So, um, but Tony was recently diagnosed with um, pancreatic cancer, and he is in a winning battle right now with that. So we decided to get together and uh, record a couple songs and sell them on Bandcamp and give all of the proceeds to Tony and his family to aid in his fight. So if you would like to check out the new Chore song and our shallow cover, you can go to choreband.bandcamp.com. It's $5 for both songs or more if you'd like. And uh, the majority of people have got above and beyond and given us more than the, than the minimum five dollars so thank you very much for that and uh yeah check the songs out i love you tony i love you cheryl and um yeah you got this and we're here so yeah but i think we about covered the coastline fire didn't we i think we did uh mike chris and mitch i'm sorry if i missed anything or if i didn't do something justice uh love you guys love you guys too let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on yeah Hey, Robin. Yes, David. What time is it? Oh, 9.56 p.m. What other time is it? Bedtime. What other other time is it? Uh, time for making love. It's Wikipedia time. When you just want the facts. Oh, boy, this is a big one. We're doing hot snakes. Hot snakes 
are an American post-hardcore band led by Rick Froberg and John Reese, formed in 99 in San Diego. Reese and Froberg had previously performed together in Pitchfork and Drive Like Jehu, after which Reese had found international success with Rocket from the Crypt. Hot Snakes disbanded in 2005, but reunited in 2011. Although they share musical similarities with members' previous outfits, Hot Snakes have a sound that is much more primal than that of Pitchfork, Jehu, or even Rocket from the Crypt. The Hot Snakes record we are talking about today is Audit in Progress, which is the third studio album from San Diego, California rock band Hot Snakes, released in 2004 by Swami Records. It was recorded in similar manner to the band's previous two albums, with guitarist John Reese taking time off from his main band, Rocket from the Crypt. In comparison to the band's previous albums, Audit in Progress is more aggressive and primal. Damn right. Audit in Progress would be Hot Snakes' final studio album until 2018's Jericho Sirens. This record is the shit. Holy shit is it ever. You agree, right? Yeah. This makes me happy because I purchased this album from our good friend Brad at Into the Abyss Records in Mm -hmm. Hamilton. Check him out on Instagram and the internet. And uh, I brought it home and put it on and I gotta be honest, I just assumed you wouldn't like it. I know I shouldn't assume because it makes an ass out of you and me, but uh, you dug it. (laughs) Oh, did I ever. You put it on, I think... It was like a sunny day, you were making breakfast, and you put it on, and I think, I don't know, 20 seconds in, I was like, what is this? I hadn't heard it before. I think the fact that I was probably rocking out and dancing around in my boxers helped. Yeah. Or did it hinder? Oh, it helped. (laughs) Also, making me breakfast helped, too. Oh, that's a big one, too. Always, yeah. Um, But... I was hooked. It knocked my socks off. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, I am a huge Drive Lake Jehu fan. Uh, Their album Yank Crime is just one of those records that really knocked my socks off back in the day. Mr. John Crossingham, my friend and partner in the band Not Of, made me a copy of that on cassette tape and gave it to me uh, for Christmas, I believe, 96, and said, you're going to love this. And he was not wrong. I had listened to that obsessively for the next, you know, 25 years, and I'm still listening. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I actually have a Drive Lake Jehu inspired tattoo on my forearm. I have lyrics from the song Luau engraved in my skin forevermore. And uh, as the years go by, hot snakes are creeping up. I've always held firm that Drive Lake Jehu were better, and I was sort of holding on to that belief. But uh, I don't know. The more I listen, you know what? One's not better than the other. It's John and Rick. Well, and I mean, they can both be really great. It's true. Desert you know? Island, Desert Island disc. I mean, I'm going to take Yank Crime, but uh, a close second is Audit in Progress, the record we're talking about today. There is not one bad song on this there record. Isn't. No, it's all killer, no filler. Mm-hmm. 12 songs in 33 yep. minutes. This is my kind of record. Yep. Just put it on again once mm-hmm. you're done. Yep. Right off the bat, the first song, Brain Trust. What a way to start a record. Damn, that is good. (laughs) It's real good. Don't go to Harvard. Don't go to Yale. The first, well, let me look here. One, two, three, four. Like the first five songs, six songs? No, because I didn't progress this floor. So yeah, like the first half of the record is just like relentless. Like Uh the tempo, the aggression, the the speed, it's just everything. And uh, Brain Trust is a great way to start it. But uh, then it's followed up by something even more intense. Highlights. Highlights, 
if you were listening to our last episode, I do a great Morrissey impersonation. I don't do a good Rick Froberg impersonation, but I'm going to do it anyway. I think you just did. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. Highlights is so good. It's great. If it ain't broke, you know? Do not fix it. No. The guitar interplay in this band is fantastic. The way that the two guitars are playing off each other, Mm -hmm. they're almost never doubling each other. And John Reese is like a great unsung guitar. I mean, he's quite sung as a hero amongst the people who know, but like he's one of the the greatest underground American guitar players of the last 30 years. And uh, he shines on this album. That's all I can say. Why are you laughing? You're just adorable. That's thank, all. Oh, thank you yeah, so much. You're really feeling this. I love uh, it. Next up is Retrofit. Rick Froberg, his delivery is so intense all the time, Mm -hmm. but then he'll take it to the next level and throw an extra little bit of stank on his voice. And this is the first song on the record where he really puts the grind on his voice. It almost sounds like someone else is singing. I checked to see if there were two singers and um, there was just one. No, it's all him. Mm -hmm. I I go between two or three songs as my favorites, but Retrofit is, uh, it's right up there. The next song is Creative Control. There is a podcast called Creative Control, which is named after this song by Hot Snakes. It's hosted by a fellow named Vish Khanna, and uh, he did a whole episode about the history of Drive Like Jehu. Uh, if you want to check that out, the podcast is called Creative Control, both words starting with K. It's episode 217. It's called Do You Compute? The Story of Drive Like Jehu. So definitely check that out. And while you're at it, you might as well check out uh, episode number 459, because uh, that's an interview with Mr. John Crossingham from Not Of. Cool. My band mate so check that out but yeah creative control the intensity has not dissipated yet on the record just no. relentless yeah followed up with think about carbs Again, this one, uh, this is, I keep thinking that Retrofit's my favorite, but this one is maybe my favorite on the record too. I can't decide. Also, I think about carbs all the time. I know you do. And that's like, uh, it's like listening to myself. It really is. Scream. Yeah. But that song is so intense. You love that one too, eh? You made some notes there? I love them all. Yeah. That's that's such a good song. Uh, Next up is Audit in Progress. Back when we were licensed. Back when we were pleased. Back when we were Oh, 
awesome. Yeah. What a riff. A great riff. I wrote my notes for this is, yep, give me more. <laughs> yes, I agreed. <laughs> this is the first song that overly reminds me of Jehu. Like that riff, that verse riff to me sounds like it could have been off a Drive Like Jehu record. I mean, a lot of this sounds like it could be off a Drive Like Jehu record, but this song in particular really makes me think of Jehu. Next up is Hatchet Job, which um, I really like, but the best part of this song is, I think around 220, the riff, they, they lock into that riff and then they take it up another notch at mm-hmm. 238. So intense. So great. And then things kind of uh, get a little more mellow, not much, but a little more mellow for This Mystic Decade and Lovebirds. Yeah. They're the only songs that really aren't at a crazy pace. Yeah. I mean, on any other record, they'd be at a good pace. Yeah. (laughs) But on this one, it's a bit slow. Mm -hmm. But then they pick it right back up for Reflex. They slap us in the face with that one. Oh, so good. I love it. And then, you know what? The last song we're going to talk about is Plenty for All. You know what? I think this. I think this is definitely my favorite song on the record. It was mine too. It's so hard to say though. Mm-hmm. Retrofit and think about carbs, but like this is the hit. Oh, is it the hit? No. Oh. But in a in a perfect world, it's the hit. Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I loved it too. It's just so catchy. The lyrics are amazing. Uh, I was also getting though some Dinosaur Junior Feel the Pain vibes from that lead guitar. Oh, hey, though that's cool. It was a lot slower. I mean, Feel the Pain is obviously very slow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's Feel the Pain. And here's Plenty for All again. Mm? Yeah. Mm? Yeah. Let us know what you think. Does uh, the guitar in Plenty for All sound like, uh, feel feel like pain? What's it called? Feel the pain. At Reaction Brats Pod. Yeah, it's a great song. Great record. Again, can't say much more than just, what an album. You know what else was cool? I wanted to see what they look like because mm-hmm. their picture's not on the record. And I was happy to see that they weren't all styled. Like, I thought that they'd maybe look like Rocket from the Crypt, you know? How they were always, like, dressed up and, yeah. like, in matching outfits, mm-hmm. which was a cool look, you know? But I was happy to see that they were just, like, regular looking dudes. Yeah. I loved that about them. I thought it was really cool. I'm happy you put it on that morning. And I'm super happy that you like it. I'm happy we can share hot snakes. Me too. It's great. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like we've covered it. I think so too. It was. It's a good record. Chores a good record. Thank hot you. snakes is a good record. I think you're good. I think you're great. Thanks. <laughs> We're gonna head on out, and uh, to end the show, I am going to stick in Chores' recent cover of Shallow North Dakota's song "Greenhorn." Again, uh, you can pick this up and another original Chore song at choreband.bandcamp.com. And again, all proceeds are going to our good friend Tony Jacoman family. Love you, Tony. Love you, Tony. We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>